Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Bags are packed. Are you ready to go? This time tomorrow we'll be on the road Riding with you in the sunnier days I wouldn't want it any other way It's time to name the neglect from typical food advice. Welcome to the Find Your Food Voice podcast, hosted by me, Julie Duffy Dillon. I'm a registered dietitian with 20 years of experience partnering with folks just like you on their food peace journey. What have we learned? Well, cookie cutter approaches exclude too many people and you don't need to be fixed. It's not you. It's not me. It's all of us. Only together, we can start a movement and fix diet culture. And we will. Let's begin with now. Hey there, welcome to episode 279 of the Find Your Food Voice podcast. I am Julie Duffy Dillon, registered dietitian and your partner on your food peace journey. Thank you so much for connecting today. And if you're new to the show, welcome. I am so glad you're here. This is a show designed just for those of you who have a complicated relationship with food, hoping to rewrite your fate. And this show started six years ago as the Love Food Podcast. I've renamed it, as you can tell. But one of the things that's been a really important part of the show are listener letters. Letters from people just like you who have complicated relationships with food who are hoping to rewrite their fate. And I have a letter from someone today who has been navigating healthcare Um, navigating living with a chronic illness and um, infertility and now pregnant and then maybe also experiencing gestational diabetes. So I got this letter actually, I think over a year ago now, maybe even two. I've been holding on to it because I wanted to talk to the right person to help me. And I have found her. (laughs) Mackenzie Caldwell is a dietitian who has become my go-to expert on prenatal nutrition. She's my favorite prenatal, postnatal, any kind of fertility kind of discussion, anti-diet dietitian. And I know you're going to learn a lot from her too. But before we get to hear from Mackenzie and this episode's letter, a very quick word from our sponsor.
This episode of the Find Your Food Voice podcast is brought to you by My Free Tools. Are you looking for more anti-diet tools or maybe some PCOS tools to help you to reject diet culture? Well, check out my new website. I actually just got a new website. I know that's only a big deal to me, but Latida, it is gorgeous, I think. So check it out. It's at julieduffydillon.com. And if you go to julieduffydillon.com slash voice, it'll take you right to all the free tools that I have. I have a free download to take to the doctor's office that includes a customizable form to put exactly what you um, need boundary-wise. And then on the flip side of the form is a ton of research that if the doctor is willing and ready to take the next step to reject diets as well, we have some resources right there. My friend, Laura Watson, always says whenever I'm like, I want to plant seeds, she always says, let's pour some miracle grow on those seeds. So I'm hoping those resources are the miracle grow. <laughs> There's also some anti-diet tools um, that can help you to join in community with other people because it's not you, it's not me, it's all of us together. So I have a food voice pledge. Have you taken it yet? If you haven't, go over to julieduffydillon.com slash voice. There's also um, some PCOS resources that you can find in there too. So check it out. And I can't wait to have you on board with your voice. All right, let's get to this episode's letter. Did you know that every time you listen to an ad on this podcast, you help cover the cost of producing Find Your Food Voice? Thank you to our sponsor, Equilibria Daily Women's Microbiome Defense. Because of them, my team and I can continue our independent podcast. Equilibria is a women-owned wellness brand with unique science-backed products that help bring your mind and back my mind and body back into harmony. EQ's Daily Women's Microbiome Defense is a three-in-one capsule that supports your digestive health and promotes gut barrier protection. It also promotes optimal vaginal pH. These probiotics were chosen because they are studied for women's health. And I love that you can subscribe. So if you find that Equilibria's Daily Women's Microbiome Defense helps you, you can subscribe so you don't have to think twice about running out and also save 25% off. I just started taking the Equilibria Daily Women's Microbiome Defense after a trip overseas that made my GI tract kind of funky. I am hoping that it helps make things just a little bit easier, easing back in. And also as a woman, as a woman in midlife, I'm always looking for ways to help with vaginal pH. If you are not in midlife yet, just be aware. It's a thing that is around the corner for you. So head to myeq.com and use code FOODVOICE for 15% off Equilibria's microbiome defense and much more. That's myeq.com and use code FOODVOICE at checkout for 15% off site-wide today. All right, let's get back to the show. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Home is with you wherever that Dear Food, 
Our relationship has been tense and emotional, but I feel like we are starting to reach an understanding of each other. My mother put me on my first diet when I was eight, but I only ever seemed to gain weight despite the countless diets and rules I've had over the years. By 2019, I was restricting so much and still gaining weight, and I hated and resented you for that. My husband and I also started to try to conceive in 2019, and having both come from highly fertile families, we were concerned after months of failed pregnancy tests. In February 2020, I saw a new new OBGYN who was wise enough to catch that I have PCOS. After a vaginal ultrasound, the diagnosis was confirmed. On the one hand, I was devastated, but on the other hand, I was so relieved. I was relieved to know that it was not my fault that I gained so much weight over the years, despite eating nearly perfectly. It wasn't my fault I craved sleep so badly in the afternoons that it impacted my ability to do my job. It wasn't my fault that I had acne since the fifth grade, and it wasn't my fault I couldn't get pregnant. Our relationship food changed that day. I figured if I was still gaining weight despite 20 years of dieting, what was the point? My body obviously needed something other than a diet. I started researching into intuitive eating and curating an Instagram feed full of other women who had PCOS, fat bodies, and freedom. I read books on how to recognize the damage diet culture had done to my belief system and how to rebuild a set of beliefs that neutralized food and accepted my body. I slowly reached a place of equilibrium with you and acceptance of myself. Simultaneously, I started taking fertility medications in order to help my body conceive. I've never experienced anything so taxing to my body as the intense hormones from the fertility drugs. I gained weight quickly, my boobs grew several sizes, and I was exhausted. I was learning to give myself grace when it came to our relationship and to feed myself as I needed to even though my body was changing even faster than it might have otherwise. I'm so grateful to have conceived some months later, but I had no idea how difficult it would be to go straight from fertility treatments into pregnancy. My hormones are still all over the place. I'm still gaining weight, as I should be, and my boobs are still growing. With my family history and my PCOS, I am at high risk for gestational diabetes. My OBGYN had me take the glucose test a few weeks early, and I just barely skated under the threshold. He and I agreed, however, to retake the test in a month because of my risk, just to make sure we are aware if anything changes. Food, it's so difficult to know how to stay at peace with you while taking care of my body and my baby. The pregnancy community is so fatphobic and diet-centered, and overweight women are criticized for their weight and gestational diabetes as if they are choosing to harm their baby by being overweight. The weight gain guidelines are so restrictive for overweight women who are expected to be losing fat while pregnant. I have felt so alone in this pregnancy trying to navigate my health while doing my best to weed out the fat phobia, but I'm exhausted. The pull to go back to diet and restriction is so strong, and there is a constant voice in the back of my head telling me that every bite I take is harming my baby. I don't want to go back to being scared of you again, but I'm running out of the emotional and mental energy it takes for us to stay at peace. Food, is it even possible to get through this pregnancy on good terms? Sincerely, scared and very pregnant.
Hey there, letter writer. Thank you so much for your note. Oh, I have witnessed, I have seen, I have heard just how fat phobic the fertility space is. It's just inundated with advice to um, continue to police bodies. And I'm so sorry that you're experiencing this. And I'm excited for you as you welcome this new bundle of joy into your life. So what I'm going to do now is invite a friend and colleague. Her name is Mackenzie Caldwell. She's a dietitian that specializes in this conversation. And you know, the thing that I appreciate about PCOS in particular is the evidence shows that experiencing gestational diabetes is still mostly genetic and has nothing to do with body size and what you eat. But I am not an expert in fertility nutrition. Mackenzie is. So let's go and give Mackenzie a call. Hey, Mackenzie. It's so great to see you. Hello. It's great to see you too. I am so glad that you are going to help me with this letter. You know, I got this letter a while ago. And when I read it, I was like, this is Mackenzie's letter. I'm going to hold this for her (laughs) for when we can chat. Because it named all the things that I know that you like spend so much time with clients on, like the PCOS, the fertility, pregnancy, gestational diabetes, and like all the fat phobic shit that comes from all that. (laughs) So when you read this letter, what was your like impression about what this person's experiencing? I see this shit way too much. (laughs) (laughs) This is my first impression. Yeah. Yeah. Like every time I hear uh, this story is unfortunately not new. Mm-hmm. This is something I see in my clients all the time. And it's like the same shit over and over and over and over again. And when it's happening the same way to multiple people, then we know that it's a system flaw and not an individual flaw. Ooh, and can you say that again? <laughs> when this we see the same thing happening to multiple people, we know that it's a system flaw and not an individual flaw. Yes. Yes. Like letter writer, <laughs> I hope you hear that for sure. And like, hold on to it, you know? Yeah, truly. This is a, this is where diet culture and fat phobia collide with patriarchal medical system mm-hmm. and um, the prioritization of fetal health over maternal health. And ah. yeah, <laughs> so that's kind of like, yeah, I was like, yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Sounds about, unfortunately, sounds about right. Right. You know, I have remember this random conversation I had with, I was at the, the pool of all places years ago. I mean, it was before COVID even. Um, and this woman was pregnant and very far along into her pregnancy, at least mm-hmm. seven months. And she had like two or three other kids. So it wasn't her first time at this. And, um, I got to talking to her and she had mentioned about like her doctor had just told her she was gaining too much weight. And so he told her to cut out all the carbs. And I was like, what? Like, what? What are you talking about? And he's like, yeah, you know, he just said that would be the best way to like slow down my weight gain. And he doesn't want me to gain any more weight. I was like, are you, wait. And this is someone I didn't really know well. Yeah. So I was like, do I clock in right now? And say something, <laughs> or do I say clocked out, disassociated from nutrition and stuff? But um, I was like, oh, well, 
well, what, what's that like for you? And she was like, I'm miserable. I'm like, yeah, yeah I bet you are. That just sounded so awful. And um, is that something that you hear too from people that they're getting those kind of recommendations? And hearing yeah. you even say like, prioritizing fetal health over maternal health really hit me because like that's what that kind of recommendation is really pointing to is like be, being pregnant is already really hard yep. and like in itself like kind of traumatic you know Absolutely. <laughs> I know there's great times too yeah. but like you know it's hard but then to have to like restrict something that is such an easy to access macronutrient necessary yeah, macronutrients necessary yeah we had that too yeah i mean you're already <laughs> constipated too and like you take out the one thing that can help things move along right exactly exactly and uh, for people who aren't dietitians speaking what we're talking about is fiber we need fruits vegetables whole grains to get adequate fiber and those are all sources of carbs and it's just not it's just is just not sound nutritional advice to cut carbs um I would pretty. I would say pretty much ever, but especially in pregnancy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean the um, the Institute of Medicine weight gain guidelines for pregnancy are based on the BMI, which we know has so many issues. It's an extremely flawed system that is not based on good science. Period. So the fact that we have then these recommendations on the amount of weight that you should gain in pregnancy based off of that flawed system, we already can kind of question it deeply. Mm-hmm. And then we also know that it's possible to have a healthy pregnancy when you do gain weight outside of those guidelines too. Mm-hmm. So this is where we always need to look at causation versus correlation. Like, is weight gain outside of these recommendations inherently dangerous or bad in one way, shape, or form? Um, Or is it just associated with other issues? Right. Is it just like that's happening and it's not the cause, right? Yeah. And, you know, I mentioned this before we jumped on the call that in the 2018 evidence-based guidelines for PCOS, they have a whole statement about gestational diabetes in there talking Mm -hmm. about how it's not related to weight, Mm. And it's yep. really still mostly connected to connected to genetics. I don't know if yep. you have any a more updated kind of like intel in there, but what about the gestational diabetes piece? Yeah. So I think twenty eight. Yep. Fall twenty eighteen was when I wrote my master's paper on gestational diabetes. So I bet oh, you. Wow. That, I didn't know it was on that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's partly why I nerd out about it so much <laughs> because I spent a <laughs> whole semester thinking only about gestational diabetes. Um. But yeah. So. Um, I would guess that like when I did the most research on it was about when those guidelines came out and, um, Mm -hmm. yeah, that's what we see. Essentially, um, it's, um, I view gestational diabetes as kind of your body saying like, oh, Hey, we have something here. (laughs) We have Mm -hmm. some insulin resistance or some issues with pancreas being able to produce enough insulin one way or the other. We actually see that, um, like when they do, when they, do research on um, like why you have gestational diabetes, whether it's due to your pancreas not being able to uh, produce enough insulin or having insulin resistance. The um, kind of incidence of both issues is about the same as the incidence of type 2 and type 1 and other types of diabetes in the general population. We're just seeing it happen 
in pregnancy because the placental hormones are saying mm -hmm. to the rest of your body, hey, don't take this sugar. We need it for the baby. So mm -hmm. every pregnant person is a little bit insulin resistant. Yes. If you yes. already have some underlying issue that is mostly genetic, um, you're going to end up with gestational diabetes. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, <laughs> very genetic is what it is. Mm -hmm. And um, it can also just happen to random people. You could have absolutely no risk factors at all. And your placenta just decides to be extra crazy and send out extra. Extra. Yeah. <laughs> <So> <laughs> yeah. We also see risk factors like one thing that I found that was funny is being over age 25. Was a risk factor for, for gestational, for gestational. Uh, Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so that's that is hilarious. Yeah. Right. I don't. I don't know the statistics on how many people have kids over age twenty five, but I would guess most American pregnancies. Right. Right. Exactly. That's how correlational data can like make it seem like so much more umph than it really it really is. Oh my gosh. That's that's amazing. Yeah, and the thing that really struck me with this letter is how this person has had to navigate fat phobia in so many areas of their fertility, you know, getting diagnosed with PCOS and then experiencing infertility, um, going through pregnancy, and then the like fear of getting gestational diabetes now. Um, what do you see that that does, if anything, to people's relationship with food? This is something that you have said to me, Julie, is that nothing oh, yeah. messes with maternal desire. <laughs> what did I you say? said nothing messes with maternal <laughs> desire. Nothing. Don't fuck with Don't it. Don't fuck with maternal desire. I know you didn't say that for it. I did, but <laughs> Oh, I do not yeah. mind an appropriately placed F bomb here and there. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um and so I see that hardcore. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. a lot of the time, um, it, let's say um, a fertility clinic has a BMI cutoff and we have somebody yes. who is right around that cutoff. I've had to have an actual conversation with people of like, hey, I'm here to support you. I know you really want to get pregnant. And this is the fertility clinic that you're in with. Maybe they, they have your embryos and transferring your embryos somewhere else would be impossible, too expensive, whatever. Yeah. It becomes basically an informed consent about mm -hmm. weight loss. And really digging into what are the true costs and benefits here of you losing weight. Mm -hmm. And um, luckily, it has ended up being that it's almost like the fertility clinic just kind of scared them out, was trying to scare them in one way, shape, or form, which is totally fucked up. Totally. Um, and people have ended up being able to either figure out a way around that Um it's so stupid, but having to like write an advocacy letter for the client, just proving to the doctor that even though they're in a larger body, that they're still eating healthy, mm. which makes me so mad. Um, I'm willing to do that. Absolutely. But again, that's a system yeah. flaw right. in the assumptions we make about people in larger bodies. Mm -hmm. um, but it kind of like, you could be feeling like you're in such a great place with your recovery, with intuitive eating and um, feeling a lot more accepting of your body and um, and then face weight stigma and feel like the only way to get pregnant is to change the size of your body. Mm -hmm. And usually there's a way around it. Um, but again, that's a system thing, not a you thing. Right. And that's always something to remember. Mm -hmm. um, I think I also 
see it playing around with just like diet culture in the fertility world overall. Um, and, um, saying like, oh, if you go gluten-free or dairy-free, um, or keto, you'll get pregnant. And, um, people really just like, they want to get pregnant so badly and they're willing to do anything. Anything. And, um, it's just really important that we think big picture and look at the evidence overall. So that's usually a lot of what I'm doing with my clients is kind of, taking a deep breath and like trying to ground as much as we can and um, try to share information. I'm like, hey, that, you don't actually necessarily have to do that. Um, where is this information coming from? What, what like if you were to do a high school paper on um, the gluten-free diet for fertility, what would you, what kind of sources would your, your teacher make you cite? Ooh, that's a good way to start that conversation. And usually they're all like, I love they, that. usually people will be able to be like, oh yeah, I did learn that. Um, not everybody has learned that. Some people have. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But it can kind of bring us back to the here and now and um, focus on mm-hmm. using nutrition for self-care instead of as yeah. a way to control body size. I think I kind of bounced around there. I don't know if I actually ended up answering your question, Julia. You I did. You did. Yeah. Because... I think, uh, well, I mean, that's the one thing I can relate to with this letter after experiencing years of Mm -hmm. infertility was like, I was willing to cut off one of my arms to have Mm -hmm. a baby. And I was like, yeah, if you can make it happen, I'll do it right now. Like, and so I could appreciate for many people that it's an easy decision and it, it, it makes like, you know, like, oh, this is going to be complicated for my recovery, but, but this, you know, and, um, it's just really shitty that people have to do that sometimes Absolutely. to be able to access medical mm-hmm. care. Um, for many people, that's the only way they're going to be able to get pregnant. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it just really angers me. If you really want to see me pissed off, that's where you start going in that conversation. Because I, I have so many friends and colleagues who, yeah, they they call an endocrinologist to um, a reproductive endocrinologist and they can't even make an appointment yep. because of their BMI. Um, to even just get evaluated. So, and the oh important my thing to know for yeah. people listening is that it is not every reproductive endocrinologist, even in the even in the states, mm. there are ones who will work with you no matter what your body size is. Not to say you won't so face sweet stigma, anyways, when you're going through that process, but um, it is something worth fighting for and um, kind of continuing to mm-hmm. do the search for the provider that's right for you. Yeah. That's so good to know. Well, so for this letter writer, you know, if if this person was sitting in front of you, what would you recommend as some first steps forward? Yeah. So it seems like right now this person is really, um, they're working with their doctor. It is great that their doctor knows that they are at risk for gestational diabetes. Um, Mm -hmm. Having PCOS and the insulin resistance associated with that is a risk factor Mm -hmm. and um, early screening can be helpful. This is where gestational diabetes is weird. <laughs> I love that you just saw that. Right. So I want everybody listening to know that if you are dealing with GD right now, even if you do end up developing type 2 diabetes in the long run, it is absolutely in no way, shape, or form as intense as gestational diabetes. Everybody is freaking out about this baby, including you. Um, mm-hmm. And regular diabetes <laughs> is mm-hmm. just a lot more chill because we know that you have time. We have lots and lots yeah. of time yeah. and there's um, less at stake, really. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and so that said, there's just like a, there's a lot of pressure. And so sometimes getting diagnosed with GD early does give us a little bit more time, even though it feels like mm. it's X amount of weeks more that you have to prick your finger, that you have to be on this diet, all of that kind of stuff. But honestly, I appreciate it when I, when clients are able to come to me and we're able to take a little bit more of a, a zoomed out mindful mm-hmm. approach to GD versus, um, some like kind of more of the traditional weight centric approach or very strict diety approach. Um, it is actually a little bit better because we have more time to experiment. Mm-hmm. And that's something that, um, I do with my clients and I would recommend for this person too, is kind of treating this as a science experiment. It, yes. When you can kind of pretend you're this neutral observer, you're just looking at the data and doing these little experiments to see what happens it can create a lot more neutrality towards yourself, a lot more self-compassion um, mm-hmm. because we don't know until we try with any of this stuff. We have no idea if chocolate is going to spike your blood sugar when you pair it with a meal versus a snack until you actually try it. Right. And so we have to do some of that experimentation. You have to allow yourself to quote unquote fail, um, which I hate. <laughs> I hate that term when we're talking yeah. about uh, GD anyways, but we have to be able to to know that there's going to be some high numbers if that does happen. But back to this person um, who's feeling the urge to control, um, to restrict in order to achieve control of the pregnancy and the pregnancy outcomes, which is what's happening right now. Um, this is unfortunately a little bit out of your control. Um, it is very due to genetics and placental hormones. That's okay. Sitting in that discomfort of not being in control is terrifying, but you are able to do it. I'm sure there's many other ways that you have felt out of control in your life and been able to work through that. Mm -hmm. And you can still take care of yourself. Um, anything that you know about intuitive eating and listening to your body, you can still apply that here. There's studies showing that intuitive eating can help with, um, blood sugar outcomes, um, at birth and at six months postpartum for people with gestational diabetes. And wonderful. It can set you up for success. That ability to be a little bit more neutral towards this medical data and to trust your body's response to certain foods too. You might even start to just tune in. How does my body feel when I do eat a, a very hard high carb meal? Do I notice myself feeling sick or dizzy or anything like that? Um, when do I notice I feel like I have low blood sugar? And um, being in touch with that can help you continue to take care of your body right now. Yeah, and I could see how that would like help that mind-body connection just stay um, like flowing easily as a person gives birth and whatever comes next, you know, it just helps with that kind of relationship okay. continue. And I don't know if you see this in clients with PCOS, but what I have noticed is for some people, their PCOS symptoms about, I don't know, six months or so after giving birth, sometimes there's their symptoms of PCOS can be just more um, aggressive, like the whether it's like from the sleep deprivation or just mm-hmm. recovering from pregnancy, but things like... Uh, the fatigue, of course. I'm like, well, what's the, the lack fatigue of coming from? <laughs> Is that the increase in insulin or just like you have this baby like screaming? Um, but, you know, things like uh, cravings and more patches, dark patches and skin. So like signs of insulin resistance just increasing. It's really common for that to happen. And um, 
so doing this now, I, I see how like, if there's a way to ground yourself and have that practice as you move forward, like life as it's changing, like I can see how it would benefit. And something else you said, it just reminded me that when we make decisions in times of like uh-huh. fear, how a lot of times that's not the decision that we really would want to make. And medical healthcare, I mean, I remember early on as a dietitian, like relying on scare tactics as a way to like promote behavior change. Yeah. What a shitty thing. But that's just like mm-hmm. the norm. And I see that so much with just gestational diabetes of like, let me scare them into doing the right thing to Which is make sure they don't gain weight. So messed up. Um, yeah. Dehumanizing exactly. a person. It's, um, infantilizing. Mm-hmm. And that's like, I see that a lot with Yo, pregnant yes. people is um, like the way we talk about food safety, the way we talk about gestational diabetes. We're just treating this person like they don't have any basic concept of risk versus benefit. Um, And Mm -hmm. that's not how we treat them pretty much any other time in life. Um, Mm -hmm. Then that's not not appropriate. Yes, it makes sense though, because that's the way many of my fat friends and clients have described like medical interactions, period. Um, oh, that's, that's, I don't know. It's all kind of sinking in. I'm like, ah, that's why. Um, and I have to say too, I have always loved your points on food safety and pregnancy. I don't know if I saw it in a, some sure. reels or TikTok or whatever, but like um, you definitely have different points of view and I've always appreciated yeah. that. So so thank you. What recommendations, if any, do you have for this person? Like any resources that you currently are offering or anything um, that you think would be helpful for this person? Sure. So um, I do have an online course and community called Fully Nourished Pregnancy. And Mm -hmm. um, this program is set up to help people navigate intuitive eating in pregnancy. um, And it also offers body positive prenatal nutrition information that's evidence-based, up-to-date, and um, isn't shamey or restrictive. It's very focused on what can we add versus what can we take away, what fits with your values, what fits with your needs. And um, the way that I have it set up, kind of the way I teach kind of how can we um, build a meal that's going to um, give you multiple food groups and have you give you like a flexible structure to be able to nourish your body according to up-to-date nutrition science. Um, it can help with honoring your body's needs for um, balancing your blood sugar. Sometimes if you, you you might need extra individualized support if you do get an, uh, diagnosed with gestational diabetes, mm-hmm. which I do offer as well. I um, see clients one-on-one. Um, but in this meantime where you're feeling scared, um, where you're feeling like you need um, just a grounding resource, that's a really great place to start. I think also um, just kind of practicing any coping skills you've picked up, period. If you have been yes. to therapy before, yes. making sure you talk about this this fear that's coming up for you with your therapist and seeing if there's ways that you can practice mindfulness, practice kind of creating a little bit of space between yourself and your thoughts Um, so then you can kind of be that neutral observer and build those, build those skills. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You mentioned earlier, you know, this letter writer probably has gone through times where they felt equally stressed or, um, gone through hard times and those skills that helped in those moments will help here too. 
And I was like, oh, that's, yeah. that's, I, I appreciate that. So thank you for your insight. And um, I really appreciate your expertise in this area. And if people want to find out more about you, where's the best place for them to go? Yeah. So I'm on Instagram as at women's.health.dietitian. And same with TikTok. I have kind of some crossover content there. Um, and then I started realizing that I really love just like talking for a long time. <laughs> you have a lot to say. <laughs> I do have a lot to say. And so I started a YouTube channel. I have like two videos up right now. We'll see. It'll be if- coming along. It'll, yeah. it'll come along. Um, and I think YouTube has this like thing where you can't name it until you have like a hundred subscribers or something. So you have to oh. Google or not Google. You have to search in the YouTube thing, the YouTube thing, the search bar. Yeah. I know what you mean. <laughs> I have a feeling we did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mackenzie Caldwell, MPHRDN. If you go, if you search that in YouTube, my channel will pop up. Okay. So say it again. Cause I think I was talking over you. What did you say? Um, Mackenzie Caldwell, MPHRDN. If you search that on YouTube, you'll find it. Um, Awesome. And then my blog. I have a blog as well, www.feedyourzest.com. And there's more information on my website as well um, on the Fully Nourished Pregnancy Program and uh, working with me one-on-one as well. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate your time and have a great day. Thank you. You too. So there you have it. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Mackenzie Caldwell. I always learn so much from her and I hope you did too. Letter writer, I hope it gave you some next steps. And for those of you struggling in a similar place, I know it is just so wild how much pressure you're getting to really torture yourself and your relationship with food while you're pregnant. And I hope this this resource provided you some permission to slow down and consider what you and your body really need. If you enjoyed this episode of the Find Your Food Voice podcast, hit subscribe. And I would love for you to check every episode. We come out every Tuesday and I wanna be able to serve you as you are navigating your complicated relationship with food. And if you liked it uh, so much that you'd be willing to share it, oh my gosh, we'd be so happy that you could do that. Doing any of those things, like sharing an episode, subscribing, even writing a rating or review helps this tiny little show reach more people, and we thank you in advance. Also, check out my free anti-diet resources. You can get to them at julieduffydillon.com slash voices. All right, so I see that food has written back, but before we get to Food's Letter, I do hope you take care, and until next time, bye for now. Dear exhausted, scared, and very pregnant, you have been through a lot, complicated by the world's anti-fat bias, living with and caring for your body has not always been easy. As you navigate this next season as a parent, we hope you hold dear your own lived experiences and data. While diets have been doled out as the solution, they haven't worked. But one thing is for certain, your body is on your side. While pregnant with or without gestational diabetes, consider your own data. When you wonder if a food is appropriate or not, consider experimenting first. How does it feel in your body? How does it energize you? Does it make you sluggish? Give you a headache? Satisfy? 
provide pleasure, heartburn? Let you and your body decide how it needs to be expertly cared for. And by doing so, you are contributing to breaking the cycle, the cycle of body hate, destructive diets, the thin ideal. By moving within to decide how to care for you, you will be teaching your child to do the same. And oh, that is so sweet. Love, food. Thank you for listening. I am Julie Duffy Dillon, and this is the Find Your Food Voice podcast. Ready to join the anti-diet movement and take the Food Voice Pledge? Go to julieduffydillon.com and sign your name to the growing list of people saying no to diets and yes to their own food voice. The Find Your Food Voice podcast is produced by me, Julie Duffy Dillon, and my team of kick-ass folks. I couldn't make the show without Yelly Cruz, assistant producer and resident book feed, and Colleen Brebner, customer service coordinator and professional hype master. Audio editing is from Toby Lyles at 24 Sound. Music is Fly Free by Hartley. Are you looking for episode transcripts? Get them at julieduffydillon.com, where you can also submit letters for the podcast, give us feedback, and sign the Food Voice Pledge. We need your voice to end diet culture. We literally can't do this without you. Subscribe to the Find Your Food Voice podcast to get weekly inspiration and education on how we can defeat diet culture and reclaim our own food voice. I look forward to seeing you here next week for another episode of the Find Your Food Voice podcast. Take care. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.